Welcome to the All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. We are committed to being rooted in the scriptures and the historic Christian faith and to kingdom life in the power of the Holy Spirit. As you listen, may you be encouraged and empowered to know the Lord Jesus and make him known. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. We are moving deeper into our series on Hebrews, and we want to be like that group of people, the Bereans in the book of Acts. And they searched the scriptures to verify what was being taught. And we want to be that kind of church. We want to have the scriptures open. We want to look at them. And then whoever is teaching and preaching, we want you to have that Berean mindset. You're looking into the scriptures and assessing what's being taught. We want to be people of the book, don't we, church? So we're in the second part on Hebrews This letter by an unknown author, written around 68 A.D., so about 35 years after the resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus, and the whole book of Hebrews is about the supremacy of Jesus, and so we're going to see it on every page. The letter is shouting, Jesus Christ is great, and we saw last week In the opening verses there, that introduction to the book, we saw that God spoke through his son in a way that was greater than all the other times that he spoke. And in those verses, we saw that Jesus actually is greater than all of the Old Testament prophets. Why? Because he's the one that they pointed to. And so the beginning of Hebrews is saying that he's the fullness of God's message He's the full blossoming of God's words. He himself is the word. You can see up here, we're just going to look at this each week. We'll see something that Jesus is superior to. Jesus is greater than the Old Testament prophets. And today we're going to see in the rest of chapter 1, verses 5 through 14, that Jesus, the Son of God, is greater than the angels. And you might say, well, what's the big deal? And we're going to explain why Jesus is contrasted with angels. 2,000 years ago and even before that, the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, even the New Testament, the angels were very prominent. And so to say that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he's greater than the angels was important for the early church to establish. So, Lord, we pray as we read your word today and we dig into it, that you would speak to us, and we acknowledge, Jesus, you are the word. Every word points to you, and we ask for your voice to sound through the power of the Holy Spirit and to teach us and transform us. And We pray that in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to look at these verses. We're going to read them here in a moment, and we're going to see a handful of statements that are made about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And what you're going to see is the author of Hebrews takes a number. He takes seven Old Testament 
verses about Jesus. And so what we're, what we're seeing here is like a meditation on the person of Jesus based on Scripture. And he's saying to this church that he wrote this letter for, the unknown author, he's saying, let me tell you about Jesus. I'm going to tell you a handful of things about him based on the Word of God. So he's really establishing what became known as exposition of the Scriptures. And so he's laying out these verses, and he's meditating on them and taking these early believers along for the ride with him. And again, what we're going to see in these verses is that Jesus, the Son of God, is superior to the angels. And this week as I was looking at this, actually, let's read it, and then I'll make that comment. So here we are, Hebrews 1, 5 through 14. I'm reading from the New Revised. We have New Revised Standard Version. We have NIV there in the pew. But for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and your righteous scepter is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Verse 10. And in the beginning, Lord, you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like clothing. Like a cloak, you will roll them up, and like clothing, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will never end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels spirits in the divine service sent to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Friends, this is the Word of God. It is, isn't it? So you can see it there, all of these scriptures that are laid out, and we're going to look at a handful of things that are asserted, that are said about the person of Jesus and what we're going to see here, I was thinking this week, what is, sometimes the passage is so rich and dense, it's difficult to even come up with any kind of illustration or word picture because it's just amazing. But this week I was just thinking, okay, Jesus is Lord. He is Lord over the Old Testament prophets and the whole prophetic tradition and the Hebrew Bible. He's now Lord over all the angels and that includes the holy angels that are faithful to the Lord who serve him and the fallen ones. It mentions the enemies that will be under his feet. So, friends, the text is shouting, Jesus Christ is Lord over all things. He's Lord over all human beings. He's Lord over all the angels. And I pictured an AWACS airplane this week. You may or may not know what an AWACS airplane is. It's a Boeing E3 Sentry. It's a very large aircraft, and the AWACS, A-W-A-C-S, stands for Airborne Warning and Control System. And some of you have seen these planes. 
And they have this large, powerful, rotating radar mounted on top. And that radar can detect objects, projectiles, various things at long ranges. Anyone in the Air Force, give me grace here, right? I looked at this stuff online, so I'm trying to just read it. But what happens in that air, airplane right there is command and control of all the battle space. And they have what is called God's eye view. So you have folks in that plane and one person in particular who has God's view of the battle space and commands various troops, commands aircraft, they can command naval ships. And so I want to tell you this morning that Jesus is the one who commands and controls all the battle space. Jesus is the one who is seated above all things as the crucified, resurrected, ascended one. And he is high above you and me and all the angelic and all the things that you're facing today. Jesus is Lord over it. He doesn't sweat it. He is the divine AWACS. And so what we want to do is be in relationship with him and we want to trust him. Who wouldn't trust him? He commands the global battle space, and you want to be aligned with him. Friends, let's look at uh, the first thing that's said about Jesus, who is superior to, greater than all the angels. Look at verse 5. The author is looking at Scripture, and he's saying, friends, God doesn't say this about any angels. He only says this about his promised Messiah. He only says this about his son, the Lord Jesus. And the first thing that verse 5 underscores is that Jesus is a unique son. Do you see it there? He doesn't say this to any angels. God only says this to Christ the Messiah. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. I will be your father and you will be my son. And we see in the scriptures, even angels are called sons of God. Those of you that have read the book of Job, it opens with that, that God views the angels and says they are sons of God. And then if you read the book of Romans at chapter 8, it says that we, through the blood of Christ, are sons and daughters of God. But what this text is saying is Jesus is the Son of God. He's the unique, supreme, unmatched Son. There's no son like him. There's no daughter that can compare. The sons and daughters of God, we follow the Son. Now, in the Old Testament, it's important again, it may be difficult for us to perceive and understand why of the focus on angels. For the Old Testament believers and the New, the New Testament believers, the Jewish Christians, they had great reverence for the angels. There was God and there was human beings and then those who were in the presence of God, it was angels, angelic beings. You see it all through the scriptures, don't you? Paul explains in Galatians 3 that it was the angels who mediated, who brought the word of God from Mount Sinai. And so these early Christians would have said the angels are to be greatly revered and respected. And the author of Hebrews is saying, friends, I'm talking to you about the Lord of the angels. 
He is the unique son. He is the son. And he's demonstrating all of this through Scripture. In this verse here, he's saying, you're my son, today I've begotten you. So he's quoting from Psalm 2, and then he's going to do this over and over again. He's going to quote from various Old Testament Scriptures to prove his point. Now, can we get historical here for a minute? That word begotten is kind of peculiar for us, isn't it? I doubt anyone used that word this week unless you were reading Scripture or praying. It's not a common word for us, but it's the language of the Scriptures, and it's the language actually that the early church used to defend the doctrine of Christ against heretics. You see it there? You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And friends, this language was taken directly from Scripture and put into the greatest creed, the greatest Christian creed of all time, the Nicene Creed. We're going to start quoting it. We're going to start referencing it, confessing it, but we're starting with the Apostles' Creed. But this Nicene Creed, was, it was brought together, biblical language, in the fourth century to define the view of Christ that we find in Scripture. And it says this in the Nicene Creed. It says this about Jesus. Christ is begotten, not made. Begotten from the Father before all time. And so those early Christians that were defending the teachings of Christ and the apostles against heretics who were infiltrating, infiltrating the church, they looked at a verse like this and they said, we have to put this in a statement about Christ and confess it regularly because Christ is the unique son and he's the eternal son. And they're taking this straight from Hebrews 1 and John 1. Do you see it? And there was an attack against the early church in the 200s, in the third century. There was a leader in the church named Arius and he basically came to the church, and he said this, there was a time when Christ was not. Can I say that again? Some of you are saying, so what? What does that even mean? There was a time when Christ was not. And so this cunning Christian teacher and leader began to teach in the churches in his region, Christ did not exist with God. He was not eternal. He was divine, but not fully divine. And friends, that spread like wildfire through the church. And so the church, the leaders of the church from all over the region and all over the known world came together and poured over passages like this. And they said, what Arius is teaching is heresy. That does not line up with the teachings of the apostles. And friends, why would I talk about this today in 2024? Is that just a boring little tangent of church history? We look at the past so that we're prepared and equipped for the future. We want to be rooted in the Word of God, rooted in the creeds that people lived and died for and poured over and came to consensus over. We want to have those things in the center of our worship because do you think there's a little bit of confusion about the person of Jesus today? It's crazy. 
I mean, you got people writing books saying, I got this new insight about Jesus. Yes, he's divine, but he's not fully divine. This whole idea that he existed with God before all time, before his incarnation, that's just poetic. That's just metaphorical language. And what do we say, church? We say, no, nah, it's actually not. This is what the scriptures teach, like this verse right here. And so we're anchoring ourselves in the ancient tested word of God and the creeds that emerged. Christ is begotten from the Father. That is, he comes from the Father. He is not a created being. And so as we work our way through passages like this, we say we have to take this to heart. You young people, you've got to take this, integrate it into your life, learn how to think and pray and speak about Jesus because you're, going to, you're already hearing nutty, nutty stuff about the person of Jesus. And as we say around here, we're not looking for anything new. It's usually the new stuff that leads you into heresy and false teaching. We want the ancient stuff, the classic stuff, the biblical stuff. Amen, church? Well, I'm at point one, so I think we're going to have part two next week. <laughs> this is rich. Do you see it? Do you see how rich this is? This is an early Christian who knew the Old Testament back and forth, who prayed it, who worshiped, who anticipated the coming of the Messiah, and they got to see that fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And now this person is meditating and praying out loud and, out loud and giving a gift to the church called the letter of Hebrews. It's glorious. We've only seen one thing. He's the unique son. He's not a created being. He's not like the other angels who are sons. He is the son, the only son, the unique son the Son of God who was with the Father before all time. Hallelujah. Let's do one more point. Look at verse 6. Related to this, again, he's just flowing through these various verses. Verse 6, I'm going to read it. And again, when God brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. So, friends, the second thing that we're seeing here is that the angels of God worship the Lord Jesus. And the author is saying, and again, and he's going to say that multiple times through the book of Hebrews. He's going to say, and again, and again, and again, because he is leading them through the scriptures to meditate on the person of Jesus. Again, difficult to illustrate because the point is crystal clear. It's simple. Christ came, the Father sent him, and the angels saw who he was. They perceived, and there was worship. And this text can mean that it's his first coming. When Christ came into the world as the incarnate word of God, he took on human flesh like us, was a little baby, and Luke 1 and 2 talks about it. How did the angels respond? You see it there. We just came through Advent. The angels of God were worshiping. All of the other sons of God are worshiping the Son of God. They knew this is the promised one. This is the one we've been anticipating. And I asked Amanda, I said, can you think of something that illustrates this? And she said, how about the Lion King? So I'm going to throw this slide up here. Some of you have seen this, some of you have not. But that scene where 
Can you see it? I don't know. Can we dim that a little bit? We got such good, powerful lights now. Sometimes it's difficult, but we got that dude up there, Rafiki, who's holding up Simba, who is the Lion King. And how do all the animals below respond? Look at the next slide. What are they doing there? You young ones, what, what are those zebras doing? They're bowing. They're kneeling. And so it was with Christ. Christ came his first coming, the angelic beings saw it, even those who had their eyes open who could discern, and they worshiped Christ. Even as a young child, they knew that this was going to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when it says here, firstborn, we'll end with this, you see it, the angels of God worship Christ. He's called the firstborn who's brought into the world. Can you think about Old Testament stories where it speaks of the firstborn son? What do you think that might mean? You have the firstborn son. Can you think of examples? It meant a place of honor and privilege and inheritance. And so what the author of Hebrews is saying is this is God's firstborn. It doesn't mean that there was a time when he was not, but he came into the world, and he is the unique firstborn son of God in the new family of God. And so he is the one who's honored and who has priority and rank. Why don't we stand, church? We are going to come back and look at the rest of this passage next Sunday. But are you seeing it a little bit? Are you seeing the supremacy of Jesus? There's nobody like him. All the esteemed Old Testament prophets who were greatly respected and people held on to their every word, the author of Hebrews says he's greater than the prophets. He's actually the fulfillment of everything they long for. And today we're seeing Jesus is the Lord over all angels, the holy ones, the faithful ones, and the fallen ones. And friends, that matters. Even a text like this speaks to you and me. The last week, I had some unholy angels. Some of those evil spirits and demons just working me over during the week, and I would say, Jesus Christ is Lord over you. You must kneel. You must bow to his name, and he's about to give me some relief right now. So you better back off. There's authority in his name, and the more you come at me, the more I'm going to pray and praise. You hearing me, church? So a text like this is letting us know Jesus is Lord over the angels. He's Lord over the entire spirit realm. This stuff matters. It's not just ancient theology. This stuff works in your life. Read this stuff. Pray it. Declare it out loud like we were doing this morning. Even declaring his name, different things he does, it changes things. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come up. If you're scheduled for... Ministry team, why don't you come up here? We may need some relief. We may need some others. We've had quite a bit going on this morning, haven't we? We've encountered the Lord. Luke was talking about the desert and even suffering. Some of you are in the desert. You're suffering. You need to come get prayer. The Lord is here with us. Let someone pray for you. Lean into breakthrough. Macy's word about the blood of Christ, the cross of Christ. There's healing for you today. 
So I'm just, I want us to think about when God is here, let's not just kind of wrap everything up and take off. Take time to linger with God. Meet with him. Come and let someone pray for you. We also have communion, don't we, Brandon? Thank you to Brandon and the team. Church, can we say thank you? Thank you to them. So that we have communion every Sunday. So we've got it here on my right, on my left here, and you can come and meet and celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus and pray as you go. Prepare your heart to encounter the Lord Jesus through the bread and the cup. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that you're with us now as we linger in your presence, Lord. We want the fullness of what you have for us. I pray not a person would leave here without reaching out to you. You are the Lord. You have all the answers. We celebrate your broken body, your shed blood, and your presence among us through the Holy Spirit. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Saints, let's linger in God's presence. Come up for ministry time.